Good morning. My name is Eric Hyman. I'm one of the elders here at Shelby Christian. And I want to welcome you all. Um, one of the benefits of being an elder is you get to see a lot of things that go on behind the scenes outside of Thursdays and Sundays. And, and you see the long hours that our ministry, uh, that our ministers and our pastors uh, put in to, uh, in order to make Sunday service a time of worship. Uh, this month in October is Minister Appreciation Month. It's really important because it's the only time really throughout the year that we can stop and take a few minutes to show our, our pastor and our ministers how much we appreciate them. Uh, and the way we, we uh, ask you all to do that is, first of all, to pray about it. And if the Lord leads you to buy uh, a gift card, a gift card to a local restaurant or business, uh, so that our ministers can take their families out and have a special time uh, with them. It's very difficult. You, they spend a lot of time away from their families as well. So we ask you to pray about it during the month of October. If you feel led to purchase a gift card and put them inside of our gift boxes that are throughout the building. And then at the end of October, we will distribute them evenly throughout uh, all of our ministers so that they can have a special night and uh, we can show them how much we appreciate them. Thank you all. And just so that you know, I like, uh, let's see, Home Depot, Lowe's, no, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Will you stand to your feet today, find somebody that you don't know, shake their hands, tell them glad to see you in the house of the Lord, and we will start worship. If uh, you or him tapers off. Well, good morning, church family. Let's sing together. We waited for the state. We've gathered in your name, calling out to you. Your glory like a fire, awakening desire, burn our hearts with truth.
excited to be in the house of the Lord this morning. Let's sing about His wonderful love. Amen. It overwhelms us at times. spoke word you were singing over me you have been so so good to me before I took a breath you breathe your life in me you have been so so
you sing that church one more time? As you're seated. I love when we can just come together in this corporate you know, situation where we can come together and worship our, our Heavenly Father for what He's done throughout the week, for what He's done throughout our lives. Amen. We, we are in this new series where we are challenging our beliefs, and our faith. Some may not believe in a God. Some may not believe in Jesus. Some may believe there is some God. But you know, our foundation is our faith. We live by faith, the Word of God says. And also to the Word of God says... Faith without works is dead. So when I see every one of you in the house of the Lord, that's a statement of faith to me. As we come and we gather every week, we are encouraging one another to keep the good fight, to win the race, to finish the race. Amen? And as we come together, let us not forsake coming together. I know COVID-19 has brought a lot of change to our lives. But the church needs to be stronger now than ever. And the church can't be strong unless we are here together, lifting one another up in faith. When I was a kid, I liked to watch the Rocky movies where the boxers would go at it. And, uh, of course, nowadays, as an adult, I see, well, this could never happen in a real boxing match. They would just fall over dead after some of those scenes. But I, I noticed, I took note of when the round's over, the boxers go back to their corner, and they're lifted up by their trainers. They wipe their faces down. They do whatever they need to do to keep them going, to keep them in the fight. Amen. That's what church is to me. It keeps me going. It keeps me in the fight. Amen. So today as we continue our worship, you'll notice that we have our stations in the front and on the sides of the church. And as you come up and as you get that piece of bread, juice, may you take it back to your seat. May you find that Jesus brings us here together, lifts us up. But he, he, paid, he paid it all so that we could do this today. So would you pray with me? Would you bow your heads? Heavenly Father, 
thank you for the blood of Jesus. That it gives us strength. As the old song says, from day to day it never loses its power. Give us the strength as we come together in this setting and at our places of work, school. May we find strength today for the rest of the week. In Christ's name we pray. the message. We have a song for you, so you can remain seated, and we hope that this message would uh, just bring light to what Dave has to preach about today. Some new vice that might heal it No, I'm not scared of being alone But I'm terrified of being home So I keep my secrets to myself Why would I trust somebody else? I think I'm gonna hurt someone If I keep running away If I keep running away I'm gonna hurt someone If I don't change Spinning in circles and spiraling down I should be honest with myself by now So why do I worship approval and praise? I guess I'm scared of someone finding out That I'm inside
when you hire a student pastor that you don't know can sing and then you find out he can. (laughs) Someone very dear and special to me sent me that song about a month ago and I've listened to it every day since then. The irony is the person that sent it to me said here I want you to listen to this I think it's my story and the more I listen to it, I've realized it's mine. Probably a lot of yours as well. We, we all know people. We all know people that were at a space in time in their journey on light, in life where they were really close to God. Or at least on the outside. On the outside, it seemed that way. That they were in this really good space and things were clicking and that was just where they... And then they, I don't know, had a life event. Somebody they cared about died suddenly and unexpectedly. They left and went to college. (laughs) And they ended up on a major college university with all the secular teaching that's there. And suddenly they found themselves no longer on the outside that people could see in the journey. And and we talk about what happened and what went wrong and what was going on and what we couldn't see was that they were really inside out. Just struggling to try to find some answers because of things that they had been taught, things that they had received, either in actual teaching or just in experience. And they found themselves with questions. Maybe that was you. Or maybe it is you. Maybe it's you right now as as you sit here. And, and, And you really, there's a part of you that doesn't even know why you're here. That you're here because 
you are like being nice to someone who kept trying to get you to come. Maybe it was your mom or your dad or your husband or your wife or your boyfriend or your girlfriend or maybe it was your grandparents that kept harping on you. And that's really, that's really all you got because you're sitting here going, I'm not even sure there is a God. And Stu's talking about church getting you through the week and you're like, I'm not even really sure anything can get me through the week. What I, want you to hear, what I want you to hear me say today and over the next four weeks is we are totally fine with questions. We are totally okay with doubt. We are totally okay with investigation because it's part of the journey and it's part of us coming to realize who we are. But we want you to know this, there is truth. There is truth. Now, I know in the world today, a lot of people say, well, yeah, you have your truth and I'll have my truth. No, it it doesn't work that way. It, It doesn't work that way at all. If something is true, it's true for everyone. If something is a lie, it's a lie for everyone. It may be a lie of omission of not knowing, but it, it's, you, you, can't have, you, can't, you can't have multiple truths. Marcy's a banker. If I ask Mar- Marcy, what's two plus two? And he said, well, two, that's obvious, Dave. Two plus two equals five. Okay. And, and then I, I swing over here somewhere, and Jason, I mean, he's a pastor, he's going to preach that, and Jason says, no, 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 Marcia, you're wrong. Two plus two equals three. And, and then finally, Ben Medley speaks up and goes, what are you guys thinking? It's four. Now, two plus two either equals three, four, or five. Or potentially something else, but it can't equal all of them. Well, in modern math today, apparently it can, but in the real world, (laughs) no. There is either truth or there is non-truth. And and it can't be both ways. I I know we used to say things like truth is is arbitrary uh, in everything except like... (laughs) Like there is no, there is no gray area like in math and and medicine, science, but in this out of control world that we live in today, truth has become called into question on everything. And, and, And just so that you know, I'm convinced that most of the time that truth is called into question, it is for the purpose of destroying truth destroying that thing because if there is no truth if if there truly is truly is no truth that's kind of (laughs) if there actually is no truth then everything's okay and we find ourselves inside out inside out looking for answers that that we can't find now here's what i do know though about truth i promise wherever you would fall on that spectrum of if you leave here today and you stop at the pharmacy to pick up one of those little orange bottles you are banking everything in your life on the fact that that man or woman with the white coat on knows exactly what to put in that bottle and the right amount of that. They're, they're, and you, what you're really saying without saying it is, you're hoping they know the truth. 
because I'm accepting whatever truth you put in that bottle. Here's where that becomes a problem. That a lot of people today are accepting whatever truth, whatever truth anybody puts in a bottle of life that they're trying to give them. Okay, okay, okay. I mean, never checked that. There, there are some people sitting in this room right now, and we'll be in here on the next service, and we're here Thursday night, that have accepted the truth of Jesus Christ that was put in a bottle for you by your parents or your grandparents. And I hear people say, well, my granddaddy was a preacher. Great, wonderful. But you accept that totally on that. You couldn't defend or explain what you believe about Jesus beyond, well, my granddaddy said so. That is as much a problem as someone who doesn't believe it at all. See, we've got to be able to investigate and find the real truth. Because I understand it's popular today to say that everybody has their own truth, whatever that truth might be. And it's much less controversial to say, you have your truth and I have mine, than it is to say, I just don't agree with you. No, we can say in love, I don't agree with you. I believe my religion is true and because it's vastly contrary to yours, that means, yeah, I guess that means I believe your truth is false. It's not true. People don't want to say that. People don't want to say it's not politically correct. Who even came up with politically correct? It's not politically correct. We would rather say to each his own because it's easier. Now here, listen, I want to say something very carefully right now. I believe that we need to seek truth and ask honest questions and stand on the truth we believe in, but we shouldn't be ugly when we do that. And one of the reasons that a lot of people struggle with truth today is some people who have had truth have been very ugly about how they presented truth. We should be honest. Here's, here's the reality. Once again, another example you might be able to relate to. If four people are hiking in the Smoky Mountains, and they're all hiking down the same trail, and, 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 and somebody says, I'm not sure we're going the right way. Which direction are we going? And the first person answers, well, we're, we're, we're walking north. And another one says, no, 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 I think we're walking west. Another person says, no, I'm, I'm pretty sure we're walking south. And the fourth one says, we're going east. Stay with me. They fundamentally can't all be right, can they? They can't. And and so there is truth in situations, but we've got to ask the right questions. We can't have the black or the gray. We've got to have black and white as truth. Norman Giesler and Frank Turek wrote a book, book several years ago called, I Don't Have Enough Faith to be an atheist. In the book, they suggested that in times in the past, non-believers had to deal with questions like this. Is there a God? Is the Bible true? Was Jesus really who he said he was? Are other religions true besides Christianity? But today, they say that we have to deal with a more basic question of, is there really such a thing as truth. I think that's why this series is going to be so important. We're going to be talking for the next four weeks about four steps to Jesus. And, and the first step we're going to deal with today starts with, this may not apply to anybody, probably at least somebody in here, but I guarantee you it applies to somebody you know who would say to you today, I'm an atheist. I'm an atheist. 
I don't believe in God. And so if asked the question, do you believe in God? Their answer is going to be no. No. And so the step we want to look at today is what would it take? What would it take? What are the important things to move from no to maybe? Maybe. I'll think about it. I'll see. Maybe. Because you see, this person is what we would classify, although I hate titles, but we would classify as an agnostic. One who doesn't have enough that they're willing to say, I I believe in God, but they're not willing to say no. They're just like, maybe, maybe. The, the next next week we'll we'll, we'll talk with this the second step, which is moving from agnostic or maybe to deist of mm, okay, I think whatever. They're willing to be, it's the person, this deist person that says maybe. It's the person that looks around and looks at the universe and looks at creation and looks at the sun coming up and then going down and the moon following it and, and looks at all the stars and looks at plants and looks at animals and looks at people and maybe has experienced uh, a, a childbirth and sees all that stuff and goes, okay, yeah, there's got to be something, but I, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm not sure. So, okay. The third step is to move from, okay, yeah, there's got to be some kind of supreme being that did all this, to saying, yeah, I believe in a creator God. Yes. Yes. This is deist, what we would call deist. This is what would be referred to as a theist. I believe in God. I believe in God. I would say that the majority of the room here, and even I'll go farther, the majority of the people in this part of the world are sitting right here. That if you stop on the streets of Shelbyville or you go to Louisville or one of the big malls or wherever today, and you say, do you believe in God? Yes, that's going to be the answer. But what we hope to see and be able to see is the critical step is moving from Yes to I'm all in. I know I believe in God. I believe that his, he came to earth in the form of Jesus and he lived on this earth for 33 years and he died a horrific death on a cross. And three days later, contrary to anything I can really explain other than God, he came back to life and he's back in heaven waiting for me. That's all in. Now, there are a lot of people... There are a lot of people that would say, I'm all in, but their life doesn't really exhibit that. And so wherever you would find yourself on this spectrum, if you are actually honestly open with yourself, not afraid to turn your life inside out, ask questions. Ask questions. We've got to understand. A few years ago, a few decades ago now, the debate really ensued in our country as to whether or not intelligent design could be taught in the schools as a possible alternative theory to evolution. 
has been going on ever since then. It's so ironic to me. It's so ironic to me that the debate was, can we teach creationism? Can we teach a God creating everything as an alternative to evolution? In and of itself, those two things have been flipped. Evolution is an alternative answer to God saying, let there be light. But that debate has gone on and on and on. Jay Gould was a professor at Harvard University. He was a professor of geology. And he wrote an article in Time Magazine years ago that he argued that religion and science would have absolutely nothing to, or should have absolutely nothing to do with each other. Here's what he said. These two great tools, now he said they're great tools. He said, but these two great tools of human understanding operate in totally separate realms. Science as an inquiry about the factual state of the natural world and religion as a search for spiritual meaning and ethical values and those two paths should never cross. What's he saying? He's saying that Christians shouldn't dabble in science. That, that you can't search for facts or you can, you can either search for facts or you can search for values but you can't do both at the same time. Listen, if our faith can't stand up under the microscope of scientific investigation we really don't have much the once again the irony of this is how many people that are now writing books making movies telling stories leading science departments at major major universities would have claimed themselves to be an atheist until they started using all their scientific knowledge to try to prove there is no god only to find out scientifically beyond a shadow of a doubt that there is a creator that did something i have a very close close uh, person in my life who is is a scientist, a geologist, uh, engineer who went to the Grand Canyon kind of with a lot of questions. They were in their class just talking about things like carbon dating and all the things that, that, that evolutionists have tried to use as their reason for not believing. This person called me and told me, said, after being to the very bottom of the Grand Canyon, investigating from a geological standpoint, there is no doubt, no doubt in my mind from a scientific point of view that there was a flood that covered the entire world. It's the only way this happened. That was, that was from a scientific basis, not a faith basis. Interestingly enough, that individual was at a point that they were questioning their faith anyway. And they came away from that experience going, no doubt about it. Because you see, if that's one of the things that, that, that scientists have tried to use. It's like, there is no way. That Genesis stuff, that early Genesis, there is no way that a flood covered the entire earth. It's impossible. And they try to prove it. And then when scientists can say, no, let me show you this and this, and here's the carbon dating and this, and here's why this and this and this, all of a sudden it brings into question all the things that they have used to create doubt. And at the very least, they got to move to the maybe or the okay. I don't get it, but I can't stand over there any longer. 
here's an interesting thing that happened. And it's part of this whole series and what we're trying to do. And take these four steps to Jesus. In the New Testament, this guy named Paul, that we read a lot of his stuff. He wrote two-thirds of the New Testament. He finds himself in prison. And, and one of the times he finds himself in prison, he finds himself in front of uh, this king, King Agrippa, trying to defend his faith. It's in Acts chapter 26, if you want to read about it on your own. And, and he goes through this whole day of answering questions, ironically, while he's in chains himself, and he's answering questions about this. And then there's this telling moment. There's this telling moment toward the end of the chapter where King Agrippa says to Paul, do you think that in such a short time you can persuade me to be a Christian? And Paul responds, short time or long, what I pray is I pray to God that not only you, but that all who are listening to me today may become what I am minus the chains. See, surrendering to Jesus is not committing intellectual suicide. That's what a lot of people would say is that you guys got up on a Sunday morning. Are you kidding me? It's a beautiful Sunday morning. You could be sitting on your deck drinking coffee or still in bed. The fact that you got up and came to church, you're an idiot. Committing intellectual suicide just by by doing that, by being there at all. And and let me say, along with that, here's what they'll say to to you guys in the room. They'll say, yeah, you want to do that church thing? Check your man card. No, check your testosterone at the door because you can't be a man and believe that stuff. (laughs) Do you know some of the toughest men I read about in history are in here? Some of the toughest, strongest men who've ever been on the planet are written about in here? I mean, come on, a guy named Samson that tears down a whole temple by himself and slays armies with the jawbone of a dog? Come on. But that's what the world wants to say because they want to they dummy it down. And, and here's one of the reasons they said that to men. Because it comes straight from the evil one. It comes straight from the evil one and knows this. That, that it's not always just, but, but here's this. If the man comes, 99% of the time, he, guess what? He brings the whole family. Not always, but most of the time. The times when the family is divided is when the man isn't willing to give it a shot and he sits at home and that works okay that works okay when the kids are little and then eventually it gets to the point in time where like well why ain't daddy going what's up with that and especially if it's a little boy i won't be like my daddy so i ain't going and so you better check all those things at the door as you investigate you know how much am i willing how much faith do i have in whatever i believe Jesus said this. He said, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind. And so, it's interesting that when Jesus was asked, what's what's the most important way? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. Jesus is saying, check this stuff out. Use your brain. Use your mind. So, I want us to use our, our minds to know and love God. I think it even goes back to what Jason was talking about last week when we finished up the other series and he was talking about synaptic pruning and the stuff that goes on in kids' minds and how by a very early age they've they've just decided, well, this stuff's not important and so they cast it away and whatever it is they cast away, it's like gone and he told you, he said, you know, when you sit there and you wonder, is this kid losing his mind? Yeah, because what he did was make an evaluation, he or she did, was make an evaluation. This isn't important. I don't need to store this 
in the longtime memory bank. And so moms and dads, better be careful. Better be careful because some things that are put in your child's mind from birth, if they don't seem of value to you, they're going to prune them out. And the world's going to replace it with other stuff. A guy named Peter, uh, who was a close friend of Jesus, he said this in 1 Peter chapter 3. He said, if someone asks you about your Christian hope, always be ready to explain it. But do this in a gentle, see that's the, that's the not be ugly. Do this in a gentle and respectful way. Keep your conscience clear. Then if people speak against you, they will be ashamed that when they see what a good life you live because you belong to Christ. See, if, if, if you're a person of faith, you probably know someone over there. And you need to be able to love them and help them and show them allow them to ask questions and not be ugly not be ugly not cast out labels and so I'm hoping that we're hoping that this series will help equip you to do that but I also want to speak to this group you may be that person that would identify either here or sometimes even here if someone asks you but you're, like the song was talking about, you're scared to let them see the real you because you really know in your heart you're somewhere over here. Stuff happens and it causes you to ask questions. And all of a sudden things start happening. And you said, I'm a believer and stuff's going on in life you can't explain. And all you want to do is just go out in the woods and scream, God, where the hell are you? That's just being real, isn't it? It's, it's not wrong to find yourself in that moment. In that moment. But what do we do with that moment? What do we do with that moment when everything that we think we've believed is suddenly brought into doubt? We've got to be willing to go inside out and ask some questions. What causes someone to be an atheist anyway? As a follower of Jesus, let me start off by just saying this. Atheists, atheists are not the enemy. With me? Atheists, or someone who claims to be, are not the enemy. But in in our Christian world, you know what we do? We take atheists and terrorists and we put them in the same deck of cards. That's how we feel about them. And if we do that, how in the world are we ever going to get past that? Sometimes the reality is there are some atheists that I know that I'd much rather spend time with than some Christians I know. Because they're at least nice. They'll at least have a civil conversation instead of like throw the hand up. No, 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 no. And so what are we going to do with truth when all we've been giving is the hand? I'm actually far more afraid of people sometimes who claim to be Christians than I am of an atheist. But hear me very clearly when I say this. I am 100% convinced and I can defend it in here. God loves atheists. Without a shadow of a doubt. Now, that's truth. The other truth is, there's going to come a time of judgment. 
And God being a just God has to do what God has to do. So as Christians, if you're an atheist, I'll be honest, I want you to believe in Jesus. I'm just being real with you there. But I don't hate you. I don't oppose you. I don't wish you'd go away. In fact, I wish you'd come closer. I wish you'd ask questions. So why do people choose to be atheists? I think a lot of atheists might push back from that and say the bigger question is, why do some people, why are some people crazy enough to believe in God? Fair question. So let's talk about those barriers. One of the barriers I think that that we have to deal with and that people who don't believe have to deal with is an intellectual barrier. Some people would suggest that only science yields truth. And if it can't be experienced by one of the five senses, then it's just not really truth. It's conjecture or even fantasy. Hang on to that that F word because there's another one that's coming. Though they, they may never say it, deep down a lot of people are convinced that religion is just for weak-minded people who need an imaginary friend to help them sleep at night or to help them get through the day. Many educated people feel this way, that the universe is the product of evolution, of natural selection, of random uh, chance coupled with millions and millions of years that God can't be seen. He can't be experienced. There's simply no concrete evidence anywhere whatsoever that he exists at all. Their intelligence, all those initials after their name, (laughs) becomes a barrier to them even openly investigating. For some people, the barrier is emotional. And and I would say maybe right now more are in this barrier than anywhere else. They look around and they see the stuff that's going on in our world. And their question is, how can there be a God when there's so much suffering in the world? Christians are just a bunch of hypocrites. The idea that a loving God would send people to hell makes them, makes no sense to them at all. Listen very carefully. (laughs) This is going to rock some of your worlds. God doesn't send anyone to hell. But some people choose to spend their eternity there. Jason shared the scripture with us last week from Joshua. I put before you today, life and death, choose wisely. Choose life. It's a choice. That, that's, that's, that's the struggle of free will. Free will is, a, no, nobody would like to be totally predestined to being an idiot. But if you're going to buy into this, we are predestined to be anything, and you see someone who's acting like an idiot, they can't help it. They were predestined to be that way. What? No, they weren't. They had a choice. But along with being able to make good choices, God has to allow us to make bad ones. That's God being the God that he said he was. A just God. A just God. People aren't created to break the law. But when they break the law, they have to deal with the consequences. You do the crime, you do the time. That, that's part of it. And so this, well, how would a good God, how would a God send anyone to hell? He didn't. They made some choices that led to that destination. I would say that how could a just God do anything else? 
You get somebody that you know or somebody that you read about that commits crime after crime after crime and keeps going before a judge and the judge keeps letting them off. How do you feel about that one? And so when people make the choice to step outside of God's will, they make, chose your bed. You see, religion has caused more world, more wars in the world than any single factor. That's true. Religion has, not God. Religion, not God. This and this is very, very careful. In fact, this is tweetable. We don't need any more religion in our world. What we need is God. What we need is a relationship. Religion is what man has done to what God created. Religion is what divides us. In fact, it would, it would suit me just fine, and that's why we don't make a big deal about it. It would suit me just fine if we just took all the signs off the front of churches, as long as they were all teaching Jesus, the way Jesus in the Bible. That's what messed everything up, and it messes people up. And so there are those that have the emotional barrier that says, my experience or lack of tangible experience tells me that that religion, that that Jesus, that God stuff. Now, one of the things that makes me really sad, and then we got to move on. One of the things that makes me saddest about this is the reason to believe that is they used to go to church. And they had to deal with Christians or people that called themselves Christians. Their church hurt. And therefore, I don't want any of that. They would even say things like, I've been burned far too many times. There's nothing to that stuff. And so they have emotional barriers. The third barrier that a lot of people have are lifestyle barriers. A lot of people have chosen lifestyle they know is contrary to the teaching of God and the Bible. And it's simply easier not to believe in God than to consider the implications of needing to go inside out and investigate and figure some stuff out. Figure some stuff out. So they have no interest. I think a lot of times pride gets in the way of that and, and, and they don't want to do it. And, and they've got other people in their life that are, that are part of that that they, they don't want to see them change. It's like when we're dealing with addicts, we tell them one of the biggest problems that an addict has of getting over their addiction is getting away from the people that used to participate in their addiction. Because most of the time what happens is the people who are participating in their, their addiction don't want to see them quit their addiction because that makes them evaluate their own life and it's a far easier to pull that other person back down then they get on the ladder and climb up as well and so their lifestyle keeps them from making a move now all these things are barriers but here's what here's where and we want to finish up with this i think we get into this stuff and we look at the wrong debate we get into the wrong debate many people hear a topic like what we're talking about this morning and they immediately want to jump into the debate between creation and evolution i've even mentioned it a few times this morning either the universe evolved over millions and billions of years or god spoken into existence the idea of evolution is only one small part of a much bigger question the question being the question of origins that's a far more foundational issue than creation evolution Uh, someone once said that jumping jumping first into the creation and evolution debate is like entering a play at scene five and trying to figure out who all the characters are it's pretty hard to talk intelligently about scenes one through four when you miss them 
when you weren't there for them, when you don't know anything about them. There, there are some fundamental questions that have to be addressed before you can ever get either get to either creation or evolution. Think of it this way. See this picture? See this picture of ripples? All of us have had that moment when we've been walking by a pond or a lake or something. We look over and we see ripples. What caused the ripples? Now, unless you happen to be the one who threw the rock in and you know because you created the ripples, there's a whole different thing. You are the origin of those ripples. You created them, okay? But, or you, the rock created them, you threw the rock. Man, this is getting scientifically deep all of a sudden. But maybe it wasn't even a rock. Maybe it was an acorn that fell out of a tree this time of year, or maybe it was a branch that fell, or maybe, how about this one, maybe the ripples started from the bottom up and it was a fish or a turtle that came to the top to snatch something that was on the water, and they snatched it, and then when they came back down, it created ripples. If all you walk up into a situation is ripples in a pond, you have no idea what the origin of those ripples were. That's a problem. If you're trying to figure out origins. Maybe a bigger question in that situation than what caused the ripples is, what caused the pond? How'd that pond get there? And how did that acorn get in that tree? Where did that tree come from? How did those, where did these rocks come from? See, before we get into creation evolution, we've got to start with the, the whole origin of everything. And that's difficult. That's difficult. Because when you start looking for origins and you can't explain ripples in the water because you weren't there, and atheists may very well believe in the Big Bang Theory. Well, guess what? So do a lot of creationists. And that gets weird too. But there are questions about origins that precede even the Big Bang. Like, what caused the bang? Where did that bang come from? How did things suddenly combust in such a way that, and and how did those things that exploded in a big bang, how did they create beauty? There's all kinds of questions that are far deeper than simply creation and evolution. What was there or not there before any of that happened? See, here's where we come today. Science is all about observation. Science is all about observation. It's about forming hypothesis and carrying out experiments and observing results and and drawing conclusions based on tangible evidence. And so on the issue of origins, origins by their very nature are unobservable. No one was there to see the origin. Here's how you may be able to relate to it. What do you remember about your birth? I'm not talking about photographs your mom and daddy showed you about you in that cute little dress at the hospital. I'm not talking about even if you were born in the last 20 years and they videotaped it. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about what do you remember What do you individually remember about the origin of your life? What do you, that's why we call this our adult service. What do you remember about how that life was created? 
don't know anything about your origin except what your mama or daddy told you. That's all you got. Now, we build on that, and we could, you know, it's interesting to kind of sit around and think about what's the very first thing in life you remember? The very first thing happened that you actually remember? And I can tell you, for me, what the very first thing, and I don't remember anything other than my mom crying when John F. Kennedy got shot in 1963. That's the first memory I have in my mind. I, I didn't know what was going on. I was two. But I remember my mom crying. That caught my attention. All right? And, and so we don't remember those things. <laughs> Kim and I were talking about this yesterday, I guess. <laughs> what do you think Eve was thinking when Cain started growing inside of her? It was the first time it had ever happened. <laughs> can you, ladies, can you imagine? I mean, for some, there's a shock when you find out you're pregnant. What do you think it was going on in Eve's mind? And she's the first person that's ever been pregnant and didn't go to school to find out how. There's an origin there that we've got to deal with. And what that means is that no matter what you believe, no matter what you choose to believe, it's an issue of faith. In that book that Giesler and Turek wrote, they said every religious worldview requires faith. Even the worldview that there is no God. Why? Because as limited human beings, we do not possess the type of knowledge that will provide an absolute proof of God's existence or non-existence. Outside the knowledge of our own existence, we deal with the realm of probability and faith covers a gap of knowledge. So the bottom line for the first week in this journey of hopefully uh, putting out stuff to investigate, moving from no to maybe, from atheist to agnostic is, no matter what you believe, it involves faith. It's a faith decision. Here's what the writer of Hebrews said about that in the Bible. He said, faith is the confidence in what we hope for and the assurance of what we do not see. That's why I, I'm just asking you to con, consider taking the journey. Consider the possibility that everything didn't originate from nothing. Consider the possibility that maybe God, maybe God is that one place that you haven't looked. I, I love murder mystery stuff. I love to watch them, not read them. Kim's the reader, I'm the watcher. Um, I love to watch those kind of things. Sherlock Holmes... You know, Sherlock Holmes and Watson, when they get involved in a case, you know what they're doing? They're looking for evidence because they didn't see what happened. If they had seen what happened, it would be a very short trial. They're an eyewitness. But no, Sherlock's out there with his, <laughs> with his magnifying glass and Watson, and they're trying to ask questions to try to piece together a puzzle of something that they know did happen, but they don't know how it happened. All I'm asking... I'm not naive enough to think that if you're here today and you don't believe that there is a God, that in four weeks that I can take you from there to there in four 30-minute sermons. I'm not that naive. What I want to do is just open the door to some questions where maybe you can say, yeah, 
And I've been spinning in circles, just trying to figure this out. And what I need to understand, I'm inside out. And something's got to change. So here's what we want to do today. We just want to challenge you to, if you need someone to pray with you or to answer some, to, to be able to ask some questions. We've got some people that would be more than willing to answer questions, to investigate with you. And so while we sing this next song, Jason's going to be in the back. We've got other staff and elders around that we could be more than, more than willing to help investigate. But what I want you to do is just pray, God, give me the right faith to believe what I need to believe. Would you guys stand with me? Let's worship together. And if you need to talk to someone, go see Jason. Otherwise, just ask God this question. God, would you give me faith? Would you give me the faith that I need? someone 
who maybe is not all the way over there in their journey, but they're farther that way than you would wish they were. Here's what I want to ask you to do. Would you have a talk with them? And just say, I just want you to listen to something. And would you invite them to get on our website or on Facebook or YouTube and just watch today? It'll be there by this afternoon. And just say, would you just watch? And and if they've got more questions, you can go on our website. You can go over to the adult tab and go down to life groups and click that. And Bobby's got the small group discussions for each one of these that are on there. You can go and you can look and you can do it with them. And and maybe if they say, okay, I'm fine with if you say, hey, and next Sunday morning, let's get together somewhere and not here. If they're not ready for that, not here. Let's go get coffee and watch it together and I'll watch it with you. And I'll just be your friend and not be ugly and have open conversation about that. Man, what God might do with that. What God might do with that. Hey, if this is your first time here, please stop at the I'm New Wall or one of the tents. We've got a gift for you. Moms, if you're, if you're a mom and you've got an early childhood, a pre-kindergartner uh, that you're still taking care of, we have a program called Rise Up that's for moms of, uh, of little ones like that. And it meets this week on Tuesday morning and also on Thursday night. So if you want to get together with some other ladies and... I don't know, cry on each other's shoulder. That's, um, that's part of it. I mean, of just knowing I'm not in this alone, okay? We'd encourage you to do that. And hey, if you've never tried Thursday nights, Thursday nights is really cool. And a few times, <coughs> a few times uh, during the year, we have food events. This Thursday night, we're having the massive chili cook-off that starts at 6 o'clock, the actual eating time before service at 7. And you can get online. You can go online. You can see me or somebody, and we'll get you. If you'd like to make a bowl of your best chili, I mean, we're, we're open to anything. I mean, white chili, beef chili, venison chili. If it goes beyond that, just don't tell us chili. Uh, and, uh, and, and we're going to do it. And here's the best part of that. All the funds from that, because that's how we're going to vote on who's got the best chili. We're going to have jars there and you put, you know, a dollar or $10 or if it's your kid, you put a thousand dollars. I don't know, whatever. Um, and, and all the proceeds from that go to our student mission trip to Guatemala at spring break. And so it's kind of a win-win situation. So this might be a good excuse, a good reason to check out Thursday night this week. Bring a friend. Be here. Whatever you do. Until then, love God. Love people. Let's go change the world. See you guys. Thank mm-hmm. you.